Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Oh, it's so good to be with you this morning. I love coming and seeing familiar faces and, and honestly, even more than familiar faces, a familiar spirit. And it's a good one here. Really, really good to be with you. Um, And in fact, as I was sitting, I'm gonna spread out, only 17 pages of notes, friends. (laughs) I'm so kidding. Um, I'm just doing this because I'm kind of scrapping what I had planned and I wanna see what I'm not doing this morning. Um, As I was sitting and just being a part of your family experience this morning just had such a a beautiful um, welcome from the Holy Spirit. And thank you. Thank you for that. Some of you may know that I was an hour off in my arrival expectations to come today. So I'm totally not telling you what speed I drove. coming here, but I'm praying for a a divine dispensation on that one. (laughs) But actually this morning, um, I also want to bring you greetings from our Multiply family. We're so thankful for your love and your prayers and your commitment to see uh, people all over the world come to know the love of Jesus. And you've sent people, you've sent financial resources, you've lifted up so many prayers, and we have joyfully received them all. So thank you for that. And Philip and I are also deeply thankful for your prayers for our family as Philip continues on in this journey with ALS, uh, an adventure we hadn't anticipated, but wow, God's showing up every day. And yesterday we were with Gail and Deb and April at a youth leader day um, in, in preparation for SOAR. And at one point in the worship time, Philip just came forward and and he can't really speak anymore, but he sort of mouthed out, I have faith for prayer, will you pray for me? And so we were able to gather around and lift him up in prayer. And I'll tell you, those moments are sweet. We know the healing's been done, hasn't it? When our lives have been surrendered to God, you know, by his stripes, we are healed. It's not we someday remotely in the future will be healed, we're healed now but we live out that healing journey sometimes uh, in really challenging ways until we're face to face. And we're in that challenge right now. So grateful for daily grace. So thanks for your prayers. Well, this morning I want to encourage us. I do work for a global mission organization. So I have a sign up at the door before you leave for you know where you wanna go and serve with us around the globe, happy, happy to take that. Well, I don't have a sign up, but what I do actually have is coffee. 
I literally have coffee from Myanmar, um, from the, the ministry that we have uh, with um, a number of rural villages where they, um, they are coffee growers for us and the green beans are brought over to Canada. We roast them and we sell them on behalf of the ministry there. And right now, uh, my colleague from, from BC who does a lot of this work brought some beans with him this weekend. So I have some lovely roasted coffee from Myanmar called Lighthouse Coffee. As my little advert, it's $20 a bag, $9 actually goes to the Ukraine Relief Fund right now. If you would like some really lovely coffee, I think I have two different kinds of roasts. I'm not a connoisseur, so. But, but please, please see me after because um, he sent some bags along with me today. So this morning, I may not be asking you to sign on the dotted line, but I certainly want us to, uh, to become aware if there are things that stand in the way of the gift of extending our hand to somebody else. And sometimes we sort of say, oh, oh, uh, I'll, I'll pray privately, but I don't really know what would I say to someone because I don't have it all together. And I think all those people who go out in global missions, they have it all together, and so that's why they get to do it. Or those people who are, you know, particularly engaging with their neighbors and, and just could somehow slip the joy of their relationship with God into grocery shopping uh, um, and connecting with people. I'm not one of those because people don't know the stain of my guilt or they don't know what I struggle with. Um, behind closed doors. They don't know my history, my story. I'm just not, I'm not articulate, kind of like Moses. I can't say it, God. Don't send me out to speak on your behalf. Well, this morning, if, like me, you're one of those people, I just want to bring us a few thoughts from the scriptures and uh, encourage us to take the hand of someone else because our hand, one of them, has been taken by a father whose grip is not crushing, whose grip is firm and good. So I want to tell you a brief story and then show you a video of someone who's extended a hand. So my story is, uh, I may have even told it to you before because it happened to me when I was 11 and I cannot tell you how many times it's really fit into pretty much every sermon I give. But um, when I was 11, we moved to Canada from New Zealand. My parents were missionaries. And uh, I was sent to the park in Toronto with my three younger siblings to just keep them busy while my parents were unpacking. And uh, I got the kids to the park, and I was pretty nervous about it. But it was grass, path, trees, benches. So, you know, we ran around the benches. We jumped up and down on the grass, we ran along the path, but there wasn't really that much for a bunch of four rambunctious kids to do. So everyone got pretty bored and said, Robin, take us over there, because you could tell that there was the edge of a hill just beyond the trees, and I was like, absolutely not. We are staying where I can see, responsible oldest child, and this is what you get. We're safe here. So. You know, we got bored quickly and headed home. Well, the next time we went to the park, we went with my dad. We got to the park, and my dad, note, took me by the hand. And the first thing we did was go straight to the edge of the hill. And we looked down. And on this side was lots of soccer fields. And then here, tennis courts, which in the winter were hockey rinks. 
for family skates, and this entire side of the bottom of the hill was this adventure playground with every possible fun kid activity to do. <laughs> so obviously I did not look at my siblings. <laughs> and we just tore down that hill with our dad. And, you know, I, I mean, the only other times ever we used that top section of the park was just to get over to the edge of the hill so we could get down to the good stuff. And I've thought about that so often in my life. What we're left to, if we are um, unattached, if we're untethered to the hand that guides us and holds us, sometimes we think, ooh, I'm gonna grow up and be independent. No one's holding my hand, but the truth is that the most beautiful freedom we know isn't it when we hold on to the hand of the Father. So my prayer for us this morning is we'll hold on tight and that he will teach us something of how beautiful um, our hearts really are as we trust him to take us to the whole world, whether that's right here around the corner. So I want to pray and then we'll check out this video. Take us by the hand this morning, Father. Open up your word to us. Open up our hearts. Would you remind us of our identity in you? And you would remind us of the powerful presence of your Holy Spirit in us. Remind us so we can extend our hand to others who don't know their creator, for your glory and for the hope of the world. Amen. Here's a story of a couple who extended a hand. Argun had attended our church for several years, but she often seemed distant and self-conscious. We had seen very little evidence of her spiritual life, but recently something changed. She joined a small group and started to participate more in the services. Unknown to us, during that same time period, God was working in the hearts of a couple who had visited us from overseas. They had prayed and asked God to lead them to a needy family with whom they could leave a gift to help them through the winter. We had suggested other families that had greater needs, but the couple was quite sure that God was prompting them to give to Argun. For various reasons, the gift was delayed. But in the end, the timing was perfect because of what God was doing in Argun's heart. She had said, the week before I received that gift, it was the first time I really cried out to God in prayer. And I had already been in the church for eight years. When the gift arrived, Argun was amazed. God heard my prayer and he answered my cry for help above and beyond what I expected. On the following Sunday, we were amazed by her boldness in testifying to God's goodness. When she stood up in the service, she looked like a changed person. Even her posture was different. In the past, she had often covered up the side of her face where a stroke had left her mouth crooked. 
This time she seemed unconcerned about appearance. By the end of her testimony, Argun was holding her Bible high above her head and preaching to all of us about how we needed to cry out to God and be ready to experience his gracious help. This family has put a fire in my house, she said, but God has put a fire in my heart. through some financial resources, not to the family that the missionaries thought might be the right one, but really heard from the Holy Spirit to reach out to this woman. I'd like to tell you another story about a man we'll call Omar. It's in Central Asia, so it's in one of our restricted access countries. And the first hand that was extended to him was through a, a late night radio broadcast, kind of like um, those late night infomercial type things. And this is one of the way that the gospel uh, gets put out in this particular region where, um, where uh, being able to proselytize uh, can be illegal, etc. And he heard enough about the gospel that he became really curious. And there's a hotline number to call. And so he called that number. And that hotline number receives the calls from people who have a curiosity about Christianity and actually then sends out that, no, that phone number and the name of the person who called to any churches in the region. Well, where this guy lived, uh, there, um, it's near a city of six million with one tiny church. And so that tiny church got in touch with him. That was the second hand that was extended to him. And over the course of a number of conversations, because they have to be cautious as well to discern, you know, um, the legitimacy of the request, they eventually moved to a face-to-face -face meeting. And this young man gave his life to Jesus. And then he lost his job. And then he lost his fiance. And then his family kicked him out. <clears throat> And did he fall back? Did he say, oh, forget it, this Christianity, it's like way too hard for me. No way, because the church extended another hand and gave him a new family, and gave him an opportunity to be in a community that loved him. I mean, it got even worse. Friends phoned and said, hey, we wanna hear about your new faith, and beat him severely and put him in the hospital. And yet he continued. Uh, to pursue Jesus because this hand that was extended to him had brought him life. And there are all sorts of hands involved in his story. One more. This is also from another Central Asian country. But this is about a believer there, one of our church leaders there, our national leaders, who um, is known to be a follower of Jesus. So the police stopped him. Um, and wanted to pull him in for questioning. Uh, not the right hands to be extended to him, but as he went in, he thought, oh wow, golden opportunity. And so the police are all there and he starts to testify. He extends his hand to the police and you know they heard him and then they released him, which is just unheard of. But he saw this as an opportunity to extend his hand in the midst of that adversity and bring good news. Wow. How, how are we feeling about extending our hand 
to bring good news to people. Well, there was a man after God's own heart. His name was David. And David, like you and me, had some great days, but then he had some rotten days. And we know we've got recorded uh, some of his rotten days. And we've got it recorded uh, that he was unfaithful, that he um, sent a man out to be killed at the front so that he could have his wife. And when Nathan the prophet approached him and called him on his sin, David's heart was broken and he came in repentance to God in Psalm 51, a psalm many of us know. And in that psalm, there were three specific things that I just want to highlight quickly this morning because I think they apply to us. We sometimes think, how can I possibly extend my hand to others even though God's got mine gripped because I just, I count myself out. They don't know. I, I, oh, my true confession would be struggling with addiction to this little baby right here. I, you know, I, don't do my quiet time every morning. I've harbored anger, sometimes even hatred. You know, we think, oh, if you looked at the state of my heart, how could I possibly give something away? Well, David would have felt the same way. Oh, I'm out. But in Psalm 51, and we can look at that, um, those scriptures just briefly, this is what he says to God. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the state of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. O God, wash me clean and I will extend my hand. I will extend my hand forgiven. Well, the first thing he asks is remove the stain of my guilt. This takes me back to when I was about nine and I lived in New Zealand. And my, I, the big joy of my day was that the teacher asked me to go to the portable to give a message to another teacher. This is like way before the time of like phones in classrooms or anything like that. So it's a little human power that got the messages, you know, back and forth to the teacher in the office and such. So I got asked to take the note to the portable. I was so excited. I ran out to the portable and it wasn't until I was leaving through the other door that I realized at the bottom of the steps I had just stood in wet cement. I mean, typically in New Zealand, we actually took our shoes off as soon as we got to school, but that day I was wearing shoes and I was like, ah, and I, you know, sort of jumped myself out and ran back to my classroom just mortified. I was a very submissive, quiet little girl, um, much as I am today. Uh, and, and so I went back into my classroom, went through the rest of the class, and at lunchtime, to my horror, I saw two of the kids from that class going around and asking all the kids in the playground to show them their shoes. And I knew exactly why. <laughs> so, because because I'm one of those people who naturally extends my hand with boldness, I quickly <laughs> wiped my shoes off. I did not confess. I wiped my shoes on the grass as best as I could so that when they came to me and they checked my shoes, I passed. That stain haunted me 
that I hadn't confessed. I don't know, can you think back? You know, you know all those times all through growing up in Sunday school and youth group when they say, is there something that <laughs> unconfessed in your life or something that's hold you back in your walk? Do you know, I, I, I mean, probably thousands of times I prayed again, God, I repent of the fact that I didn't confess that I'm the one who stood in the wet concrete. So the stain of my guilt could potentially still be in a, in a school ground in New Zealand, but the stain of my guilt, even though I'm forgiven, just stayed with me. That's a huge way that we are limited and stopped by the enemy from extending a hand to others. If we've pulled ourselves out of the running because we're still living an old lie. Because the enemy doesn't want us to walk in freedom, does he? Here are a couple of scriptures that talk about what God says about the stain of our guilt. Psalm 103, for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Or how about Psalm 32? One and two. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Albert Haas is an author. He wrote Living the Lord's Prayer, The Way of the Disciple. And he says, praying for forgiveness is a vivid reminder that God frees us from debilitating guilt and forgets our past. No sin is written with indelible ink. God knows that, but do I know that? I just invite you to pause for a moment and, and ask God just in uh, your own space with him, Father, do I believe that my sin, my past, has been washed clean. Do I live in the glorious gift of forgiveness? Would you just ask him that this morning? And, and maybe you'll just have a sense, oh yeah, I know that. Um, and if you find you've got a bit of a check, well, that's, that's some business to do with him today. Let's just take a moment. Keith Green is a, was a singer and um, just a powerful Christian leader in the 70s. Um, it was Keith Green's lyrics and writing that really um, started a huge renewal in my husband Philip's life. He has a song called When I Hear the Praises Start, and there's a little part of it that goes like this. My son, my son, why are you striving? You can't add one thing to what's been done for you. I did it all while I was dying. Rest in your faith. My peace will come to you. For when I hear the praises start, I want to rain upon you blessings that will fill your heart. I see no stain upon you because you are my child and you know me. To me, you're only holy. Nothing that you've done remains. 
only what you do for me. Do we believe that with the core of who we are? I see no stain upon you because you are my child. Hand in the grip. The second thing that David asked of God was create in me a clean heart. And that word clean, actually, in the story is not, uh, could you just do a little refurbishing job on my heart? Um, I'd like an upgrade, you know. Uh, it was, uh, it's the same word, actually, the root word that's used in, and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. From nothing came something. So it's brand new. It's a new heart. Create in me a clean new heart. Um, the old one's not working so well. Would you create in me a clean heart? There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. That's the one that we uh, entrust to God. Not only are our sins washed clean, but our heart is made new. That, that gives us courage to extend our hand because they're actually meeting a child of God. They're, they're meeting a new creation, that, those people that we connect with. Um, creating in me a new heart. It's a, a word that we're using a lot lately uh, is that word identity. And maybe I'll just take a moment to share a thought on that before we go to the last one. You know, uh, so many of us these days find ourselves struggling with where you look for identity. So many voices around us inviting us to be like someone else, to emulate someone else, to uh, find our value in a whole bunch of different contexts, different, um, different camps, different perspectives. But I recently, during, uh, during the time of COVID, when I was at home a lot, um, I was invited to take a little course on identity and um, by, by a guy called Jamie Winship. And it was prayerfully, one of the things we did was prayerfully taking an inventory of, uh, through our histories, like uh, key, key passages that have just been significant to us over the years, uh, key Bible characters that we've resonated, things that People have spoken into our lives, prayed for opportunities where we've really uh, experienced the joy of the Lord. And in the course of this, you had to sit before God and say, well, God, I see all the list of what I call myself in all these categories, but who do you call me? Who do you say that I am? Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3 are full of all sorts of amazing things that God tells us we have in him and who we are in him. But as I was sitting with this course and the resource material, do you know the first word that I really sensed God whisper to me? I, can, I, I say that with quite a bit of confidence because it definitely didn't come from me. <laughs> he said, intrepid. It's like, I think I might have to look that one up. <laughs> because I'm intrepid, Lord? Intrepid. That well, I'm I'm a pretty control freaky, somewhat fearful COVID mom right now. I'm thinking intrepid's not the words that's quickly coming to mind for me, and yet and God pressed in, 
and I looked it up in the in my you know little Google, and it said fearless adventurer. And then it just washed over me. God reminded me, remember, remember, remember. And I was reminded of so many seasons in my life when I walked out in boldness and courage because I trusted God. And I was living who he made me. So we continued that dialogue. And the next word was delighted in daughter. I thought, oh yeah, I'll take that one. No questions. That I am a delighted in daughter. And the final one that settled uh, in me was sanctuary builder. And it's been long uh, a, a deep passion of mine to welcome people into the presence of God in worship since I was a young person. And that's one of the ways that God has worked in and through my life. And I thought, oh, I need to start living into the truth of who you call me. When you cleaned my heart, you said, Robin Grace, you are a fearless adventurer in my name and for my kingdom. You are a delighted in daughter. You are a sanctuary builder. That's what I call you. So you need to erase that other list and live into who I've called you. Do you know what God calls you? Do you know who he's named you? Or are we still struggling under some of the names that we feel kind of fit, actually kind of fit the, the weak, the struggling sides of us? Like I would have said fearful for me because it's my battle. But that's not who God calls me. And he takes my hand and helps me live out who I really am. Well, the final one uh, before we wrap up is to renew a right spirit within me. And on some levels, this one is my favorite because there's no way I can do anything without the Holy Spirit living in me. And that's really what the right spirit is that's in me. That word renew can also be considered rebuild or repair. It's like you have a spirit, it needs some work. That's, this is where the refurbishing comes in. And it's a constant refurbishing. It's a constant renewing. And it's a constant renewing by the Holy Spirit, who you know well because I just recognized his presence when I came in and joined you in this room today. John 4 and John 7 both talk a little bit about that gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty to the woman at the well. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And in John 7, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was referring to the spirit who would give to everyone believing in him. And he Wright, one of my fave authors, says about the John 7 passage, we go in thirsty, we come away rivers. The temple promises have been democratized. Living water is available to everyone and new creation will flow out of everyone who drinks. So I see myself holding tightly to the hand of my father, 
but it's a little bit wet because I've got streams of living water that are coming from God and then into my spirit and the Holy Spirit is in me, just stirring it up, stirring it up, and I'm just like dripping on all the people around me, just dripping <laughs> the good gift of his spirit, the life-giving drink, the forever drink. It's, it's doesn't work so well in a snow climate, but can you imagine like in a Caribbean climate, that refreshing spirit water pouring out on people, renewing them, satisfying them. So David asked God, oh, take away the stain. I know I'm forgiven, but take away the stain. Would you create a clean heart in me? Make me new, because what I had before, it doesn't work. And would you pour continually your renewing spirit through me? And we know the legacy of David. And each of us has a legacy as we live out who God created us to be. The names he's given us, the spirit who lives in us, so we can extend our hand to the Arguns, to the Omars, to my nephews who aren't walking with Jesus, to my neighbors who I love deeply and who don't know him. Let's pray together. Father, I want to pray out the words from that Psalm 51 passage, but in the uh, Passion Translation. Hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your saving grace. Keep creating in me a clean heart. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. Let my passion for life be restored, tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. Then I can show other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. They will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen.